This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Rudy Giuliani Show. Sitting in again today for Rudy Giuliani is Andrew Giuliani, and uh, I think I can say he'll be back next week. That is that is certainly the plan. I spoke to him uh, early this morning and last night, and he's certainly sending his love to his audience, and he certainly is appreciative of all those people that are sending prayers out to him. And, you know, I haven't talked about him this week because I've wanted to let him take the lead on all this, but uh, I think if if he might have an opportunity to call in later this afternoon, uh, toward the second half of the show. If he does not, though, then I will certainly reserve for the mayor's final thoughts, kind of my feelings on what's been happening this past week over here uh, in D.C. with these Georgia poll workers here. Uh, but until we get to that, we've got a whole lot to talk about. Obviously, the National Defense Authorization Act has caused ripples all across the Republican D.C. world, from the House Freedom Caucus to Johnson signing off to it right here. Uh, So we're going to get into that here in a few short minutes. Eric Adams is closing Rikers Island. And has he talked about public safety for you? Or is he only thinking about justice-involved New Yorkers? We're going to get to that as well. And then the IDF discovered a Hamas-rigged doll and children's backpacks rigged with explosives. Right? Hamas is rigging dolls and children's backpacks with explosives. These are the kind of people that you have, that the lefties, that the crazies that are out there marching in the streets of New York are supporting. These animals, that's what they are. They are complete animals. And look, I am a God-fearing Catholic, and I believe in reconciliation and forgiveness, but I can't see it in my heart to forgive these animals. And I got to tell you, if there is justice, that whenever they do end their life, I hope they go to the depths of hell. I guess I'm going to have to talk. <laughs> I'll probably have to go to confession myself about this. But that's how I feel. I want to be honest with you, with the Rudy Giuliani Show audience here. And then the, uh, how about a Harvard professor and a former Obama cabinet member? It seems like all these Obama cabinet members, seems like they're the ones that are committing the Islamophobia over here, right? They they always say, the lefties always say, oh, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Actually, they say Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, even though we've seen anti-Semitic incidents go up 450, 500% in the country over the last two and a half months. But why is it that all of these high-ranking former Obama officials are the ones that are truly the ones committing Exactly what they're telling conservatives not to. These Islamophobic remarks, if you will, against halal cards or against students. So we're going to get into that. And I'm sure you saw the Ukrainian city council member who ended up throwing grenades in a city council meeting and injuring 26 Ukrainian city council members. We'll talk about that. And by the way, we've got another 
male swimmer who is claiming to be a woman competing against 16-year-old girls. And this male swimmer, male trans swimmer, as they like to say, is 50 years old competing against 16-year-olds. It's not happening in New York. It's not even happening in the United States of America. But to our neighbor up in the north, the Socialist Republic of Canada, it seems to be happening. But let's get to the National Defense Authorization Act, a little swamp special that came our way just last evening. Now, as you probably have heard, there is a massive, massive chasm in the Republican Party about the signing of this National Defense Authorization Act. And you have the House Freedom Caucus that's now comparing Speaker Johnson, who, look, I've been supportive of Speaker Johnson. I'll be pretty honest on all this. I don't like what I'm seeing with this NDAA and everything that I've seen. We'll present both sides, and I want to get your calls on this as well. So make sure you call in 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. But basically... What Speaker Johnson has said with regards to this, and I'll present his statement first, and then we'll go through some of the conservatives in the House. We'll kind of talk about what Schumer and even a bipartisan group who voted no on this, their reasons for voting no on this National Defense Authorization Act. So what Speaker Johnson said, it's a very short statement, by the way, for for a bill that's close to 3,100 pages, it's over 3,000 pages This is a very, very short statement in terms of his reasons for this vote. And he says, uh, importantly, this legislation returns the Department of Defense's focus back to the business of defunding our nation and away from social experiments that hurt our military's recruitment, morale, and readiness. House Republicans secured important victories. Not all House Republicans feel that way. By, By reining in harmful Biden administration policies, such as taxpayer-funded censorship of conservative media, critical race theory in the military and at schools, and Pentagon DEI bureaucracy. This bill also supports military families by securing the largest pay raise for our brave men and women in decades while protecting the rights of military parents in their children's education. Now, that is the one good thing that I saw. It seems like the military families got a 5.2% raise in this, and I was very happy to see that because... With Bidenflation over the last couple of years, you think about it, they needed a 5.2% raise just to keep up with Bidenflation. And we got to take care of our military families. But on, I was going to say the other side of the aisle, but still on the Speaker's right, conservatives and the House Freedom Caucus are aghast that, that, that this bill actually was signed. A very good friend of mine who actually was at the Trump event on Saturday here in New York City. Corey Mills, he was sitting actually directly to the right of Corey. I know Sid was sitting back-to-back with President Trump, probably only about four or five steps away, pretty close. But Corey Mills was like literally within an orange arm's length, not a Patrick Ewing arm's length. That's what Sid was. Sid was in Patrick Ewing arm's length. Corey Mills was like a, a an Andrew Giuliani arm's length, a regular five-foot, ten-foot human being's arm's length. Corey Mills, who's a uh, Republican member of Congress from Florida, Central Florida, I think somewhere outside of Orlando in that area there. Uh, I-4 corridor could be a little bit north in there. I'm not exactly sure, but right in that Central Florida area. It's upsetting to me. You can see the kind of trickery of Washington, D.C., where they try to attach FISA to the NDA. That way, 
they can put you into a situation where if you vote against it, oh, you hate our military. If you vote for it, oh, you hate individual privacy. So these are poison pills. And I mentioned before that there was a bipartisan group that had threatened earlier to vote against this. This was a, a week and a half ago, actually, two weeks ago, that this group, and, and there are some members of Congress who I despise in this group, but there are some others that I certainly support. Andy Biggs is one of them who was in this group. But then you've got uh, Jaya Paul, Pramala Jaya Paul, the representative who is radical, Warren Davidson, who I believe is a conservative, Zoe Lofgren, who uh, is also a leftist on this. But what they've all said, they've focused on the FISA, Section 702, and basically saying that it is an attack on our Fourth Amendment privacy rights. Let me read to you what Andy Biggs, member of the House Freedom Caucus, somebody who's a supporter of Donald Trump, says specifically about why FISA should not be included in this National Defense Authorization Act. The intelligence community is attacking our Fourth Amendment privacy rights. Rogue actors continue to abuse FISA, Section 702, to improperly spy on American citizens, and it is far past time for the practice to come to an end. The Fourth Amendment guarantees Americans a reasonable expectation of privacy, and the government should never be given the opportunity to skirt the supreme law of the land. Reauthorization of this spying authority cannot be tied to a massive piece of must-pass legislation like the NDA. Well, sadly, it absolutely was attached to this. And I think some of the other concerns that we've seen from other conservative members here is the fact that there was DEI training still in here and funding for drag shows. I should say, actually, no, I, I got this wrong over here. I want to be very clear. I I'm kind of paraphrasing Rep. Andy Ogles, Republican from Tennessee. Let me just read his, what he exactly said. So he said, as if DEI trainings and funding for drag shows wasn't enough, today's NDAA also contains $600 million for Ukraine and not a dime for our southern border. So he's saying it actually still includes DEI funding and drag show funding. As a matter of fact, Vicky Palladino may end up coming on in a little bit, speaking of drag show funding, somebody who's railed against that to talk about Rikers. I know she's in a she's in a city council hearing right now, but I've been texting with her a little specifically about Rikers. But think about this. This NDAA, our National Defense Authorization Act, right? National Defense. What is the most important thing to American national defense right now? It is our border security. I talked about it all opening segment last week, uh, yesterday. It's something that we need to reiterate because it seems like our lawmakers down in Washington, D.C., they give us a lot of lip service. But when you actually see what ends up getting passed, it's not a priority. Ukraine funding is a priority, but not our southern border. That's crazy to me. And look, $600 million, I've heard it's $800 million. It's a drop in the bucket in terms of what Ukraine actually needs. So it's really not much, and I know that they're looking for uh, a, a larger package to Ukraine and Republicans are still ultimately negotiating with Democrats, with House and Senate Democrats about what that looks like, the border funding specifically for Ukraine funding. But the fact that you get six hundred million dollars for Ukraine in our National Defense Authorization Act and you don't get one single penny for the southern border that's a pretty big signal to the American people that in our National Defense Authorization Act, 
a bill that's close to a trillion dollars, that's over 3,000 pages. There's no priority in that for our southern border, for the crisis that's going on here. And Chuck Schumer had no issues with that. He had no issues with that whatsoever. I mean, I know he's getting some pushback, I guess, on the left, saying that if they end up taking up these Republican ideas on the border, that he's going to have real problems. And they're not just going to go away for Christmas in the Senate if he ends up passing what I guess is going to be Republican priorities for the border because Republicans have been hitting him time and time and time again on all of this. But to me, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, heck, I'm going to even quote Bob Menendez over here who is taking a stand, I guess, for the left in all this. If Schumer thinks that he can send us home for the weekend, quietly cave into Republicans' anti-immigrant demands while nobody is watching, and then ambush Democrats expecting us to vote yes with a smile, he is terribly mistaken. As a matter of fact, I will take the gold bars out of my backyard and utilize those gold bars as campaign commercials against Schumer. No, he didn't say that part. He didn't say that part. I'm putting words in his mouth there. But it's kind of crazy when you think about this. Why don't our members of Congress recognize the crisis that's going on in our southern border? New York is a border state because of the crisis going on right now and because of the inept leadership at City Hall and up in Albany. Come on, guys. Get your head out of the sand over here. It's time for you to wake up and realize the problems that's going on in our country and do something about it. That's why you're elected. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's Mayor, Rudy Giuliani. So it's, uh, I guess, Grimaldi Pizza Fridays here uh, in the station because there's uh, Grimaldi's Pizza. But I got to tell you, I don't know if Rich and Diego ended up eating all the pizza over here, guys, because I didn't get no slice. And I love Grimaldi's. Grimaldi's is one of my favorites. What the heck over here, guys? I don't know. They're just... uh, they can't even talk because they're eating pizza. That's the problem. If they could, if they could actually uh, swallow their pizza, but they've, they're just stuffing their face with it. They're not even letting the host eat some I'm pizza. Sorry. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. I'm glad you're able to to get that one out there, Diego. Um, you know, I uh, Andrew Giuliani in first off for Mayor Rudy Giuliani today on a little more serious topic over here. I don't know if you've seen, but. The IDF, and by the way, I'm watching now CNN, again, I say this every time, I lose brain cells whenever I have to, but you know, we have all the networks up over here, so you can see what CNN, Fox, MSNBC, New York One, whatever everybody is up to, so that way you get an idea if there's somebody on that's important at the time. On CNN, 
they're now talking about, and they have breaking news actually as a headline, that the IDF mistakenly kills three Israeli hostages. What they don't have as a headline, which they should, is that the Israeli Defense Force discovered a Hamas trove of rigged dolls and children's backpacks, both with explosives. Think about this. There were ammunition and weapons and explosives hidden not just in children's backpacks and in rigged dolls, which is disgusting enough, but also in U.N. bags. That's right, in bags that the U.N. actually supplies for the aid. Remember that aid that was supposed to go to Gazan citizens, innocent Gazan citizens? The ones that the left said, oh, it's going to get to them, don't worry about it. Well, guess what? Hamas has intercepted this, and they're utilizing those bags to put their explosives in. This is beyond crazy. I was speaking to one of our great news guys, Bob Brown, between the break, and he said it reminded him of the German soldiers, of the Germans uh, in World War II, actually training the children and the women to point the guns at the Allies, at the Americans. And that's what we're dealing with now. It's crazy. It's beyond absurd. And for all those people that are out there protesting, and I saw it, I saw it yesterday actually somewhere. I forget exactly where it was. It wasn't in the Rockaways. I was out at the Rockaways last night for the Republican Christmas party out there. It was fantastic. They were great. But I saw it yesterday. Maybe it was the day before on some street lamp that talked about Gazans being Harbor genocide. Basically, the genocide was being committed in Gaza by Israel specifically. And they're just ignoring the facts on all this. The left is just completely ignoring the facts. To look at this as anything less than a war crime, then you're not actually just looking at the truth. Right? When you lace children's backpacks and you lace dolls full of explosives, I originally thought when they said it, it was to actually blow up Israeli Jewish kids, but it wasn't. It was to actually lure in because they actually had uh, they had voices of Israeli kids because they were luring in the IDF forces to try to get the IDF to see if they can go and save these kids. Obviously not being kids, but that was the way to try to get them in and try to kill as many Israeli defense forces as possible. Well, stop it on the left. Stop doing this. Stop going after our Israeli brothers and sisters over here who are just trying to make sure that they defend themselves against these animals that deserve to burn in hell. Stop it. Because your politics, they're disgusting. It's harmful not just for Israel, not just for our Jewish brothers and sisters, but for Western civilization. So enough. And we're not going to stop calling it out until it ends. Israel has a right to exist and to defend themselves. America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Andrew Giuliani in for America's mayor again today. And uh, you may have heard that uh, Eric Adams has decided to cave and he will be closing Rikers Island. That's right. Eric Adams has decided, no, he pushed back for a little while, or at least he appeared to push back. He talked about the problems with doing it. Well, guess what? 
Eric Adams, along with the chairman, Jonathan Lippman, who was the former New York State chief judge appointed by WABC's own David Patterson. They have decided to close Rikers Island. And let me just get into the first couple sentences of his statement. It's a two-page statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we can just break down the first paragraph and realize that this was really written by the left. Teddy Roosevelt once said, I can't believe he's using Teddy Roosevelt in all of this, the man in the arena, right? Teddy Roosevelt once said, the Teddy Roosevelt, who, by the way, doesn't, uh, he doesn't have a statue in front of the Natural History Museum anymore. Remember that. Teddy, Teddy's statue was gone. I noticed that while I was taking my daughter to go see the balloons around Thanksgiving. No more Teddy Roosevelt. Not welcome. But I guess he's being quoted here. Teddy Roosevelt once said, believe you can and you're halfway there. As the mayor of New York and as New York State's former chief judge and the chair of the reinstituted Independent Rikers Commission. Independent? You want to buy that that's independent? Not buying it for a second. We have come together with City Council Speaker Adams to ensure the city has a realistic and responsible plan to close the jail complex on Rikers Island in a way that protects the rights, dignity, and safety of all justice-involved New Yorkers. By the way, that's a new one, justice-involved New Yorkers, not incarcerated, not those who were imprisoned, justice-involved New Yorkers. I'm just catching on to the left in terms of how they actually like to to rename this. Justice-involved. We're involved in justice. That's, oh my goodness. As well as ensures the safety and security of the people who work on Rikers Island and are a part of our community. So nowhere in this, and I can tell you, go read the whole thing. It does not talk about the communities that actually will have to carry the bulk of this. They'll have to carry the load of all of Rikers Island closing. And by the way, there was a way to do this. The left, since de Blasio, they let Riker, they basically drained Rikers Island of its funds. And so it went from what was a highly effective jail under commissions, under uh, uh, Commissioner Carrick. Remember, Carrick was the Department of Corrections commissioner beforehand, where you saw 97% reductions in violence in New York City jails and prisons. So you had that successful plan. And now they just let it unravel because they wanted to tell the story to New Yorkers that we need to close Rikers Island. Remember, this was one of the first pushes of the left before even the Democratic Socialists became really popular, before AOC was elected. This was a push in the de Blasio administration. And then, of course, when they got in, it became stronger and stronger. In 2019, the city council actually voted. Let me get to a couple other parts of this. Together, we are in agreement about the broad strokes needed to change the system. Thankfully, we believe the courts, prosecutors, defense attorneys, and the city can work together as strong partners in these efforts. You remember the the defense attorneys that we have in Manhattan, in Brooklyn, in the Bronx? They don't prosecute crime. So they're going to be a partner in actually trying to figure out how to make New York City a safer place and how this is going to be better for the quality of life of the 8.5 million New Yorkers? 
That's who are going to be the stakeholders? That's who are going to be the thought leaders in all of this? Do you guys see the fundamental flaws in the mayor's thinking when it comes to all this? I'll get to his final sentence here because I thought it was absolutely crazy. He quotes Teddy Roosevelt again and said, Teddy Roosevelt also said that the credit in tackling great problems goes to the people actually in the arena. That's Teddy's man in the arena quote. It's a, it's a fantastic uh, speech that he gave. I believe he gave it in Paris, if I'm not mistaken, 1910, 1912, who strive. For, so it wasn't when he was president, actually. It was when he was out of office when he gave the speech. I digress. Who strive for the worthy causes, who are not timid in the face of challenges. Well, guess what? That's going to be New York citizens. That's going to be people walking the streets now if you close Rikers Island. The new arena is the street in New York. It's the subway. That's the arena. That's what happens when you handcuff our police. That's what happens when you take a correction system that is working. That was one of the best correction systems, not just in the United States, but the entire world. That other cities were learning from. They were taking courses from Bernie Carrick to learn about this. And you've completely thrown it out. Why? In the name of social justice. Look, John Katsimatidis has talked about it time and time and time again. Go after the 1,300 repeat criminals here that continue to do the violent crime that are still out on the streets. You go after them and you dedicate a group to them, defining them, and actually unlocking, locking them up, imprisoning them. And look, it doesn't mean they can't correct their behavior. I want to be very clear about this. I believe that the correction system, when done right, if somebody ultimately sees the wrong in their ways, that they have an opportunity to rehabilitate themselves. But guess what? That takes time. And while they are rehabilitating themselves, they don't have the right to endanger more New Yorkers. Right? That's what a good correction system does. It protects those law-abiding citizens... And it takes those that haven't committed, you know, egregious violent crimes, rapes, murders, stuff like that. But it takes those that are looking for rehabilitation. And it gives them the opportunity. It shows them the opportunity and the pathway that after they've served their time, that they can come back and hopefully be productive citizens. Well, all of that, we're throwing it completely out the window. That's what we're doing in New York. That's the plan right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just close Rikers. That's the absolute plan here. And it's just a disaster. The days of Rudy Giuliani in New York, man, are they gone. And they're slipping away. It's really, really sad to see. It really, really is sad. You know, before we get to some calls here, because I wanted to get some calls, there's one other thing that was uh, I mentioned in the opening. And I just thought about this, and I thought the irony over here. You know, you guys have heard from the left really since probably the day after the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel, you've heard about the left talking about the rise in Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. That's right. They say Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, even though there's very little proof that there is a rise in Islamophobia right now. However, if there is a rise in Islamophobia, it seems to come from former Obama cabinet members. Right, you guys remember this guy right around Thanksgiving who ended up going at a halal cart guy here in New York and calling him a terrorist. Well, this was one of Obama's key staffers, 
He was a guy who was on his National Security Council, and he was doing Middle East policy, and he ends up going after a halal guy who's like 22, 23 years old, and he's calling him a terrorist. And this guy's just trying to make a living over here. For everything I saw in the videos, the halal cart guy didn't try to pick any kind of a fight with him, didn't call him anything anti-Semitic. But this former Obama staffer, who, by the way, this guy's not like a 25 or 30-year-old or, or something like that. This guy's in his 60s. He goes and picks on this halal cart guy. Well, now you've got this woman in Boston who is the wife of the chief economist for Barack Obama when he was president of the United States. She was harassing a student, calling her attire, quote, a terrorist a terrorist scarf. This guy's name is Jason Furman, and his wife is Eve Gerber. And she knew that she was on camera because she said, hi, camera, for all the people. And she ranted about all the people that wanted to murder you. It's crazy. I haven't seen any rise in Islamophobia at all, except on the left. They're the ones that have brought it up. And it seems like Obama cabinet members or their family members or national security staff members of the Obama administration, that they're the ones that are committing this. So maybe when the press secretary for Joe Biden actually goes out and calls out Islamophobia, you know how she loves to talk about MAGA Republicans? MAGA Republicans. And they say it in a deep voice. It's like, MAGA Republicans. You know, it's like it's like they get uh, James Earl Jones to come on out there and say, The force is it, the MAGA Republicans. You know, like that, right? That's how they, they talk about the MAGA Republicans. Well, guess what? Maybe you should talk about the Obama cabinet members and say, hey, stop with the Islamophobia, Obama cabinet members. We know that anti-Semitism is up 500%, but maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so anti-Muslim. Kind of crazy when you think about this. Anyway, I wanted to point that out. I found that to be extremely bizarre and ironic, I guess, as well. So let's get to a couple of calls while we're while we're talking about this, let's talk about the close of Rikers with Max on line two in Manhattan. Hey, Max, how are you? Thank you uh, for taking my call. You're doing a good job for covering for your dad. Thank you. Um, this, uh, yeah, the closing of Rikers, from what I understand, is going to bring about four more jails throughout uh, New York City. Yeah, in each of the and other, bur- I, in, have, I think in I each, have, bur- in four of the boroughs, yes. Right. And if I can add one more thing here. Um, I called in the other day and I mentioned Rule 2.13 for forced quarantines. Um, You made a comment on it, but I don't think I got it. Does that mean that it's been taken care of, that they got rid of it, or is it still continuing? And stay on the line here, Max. I'll tell you, what happened basically was Hochul and the the, uh, director of health in Albany, they they ended up signing this uh, edict, basically. So legislation was not passed on all this, and you had a judge that looked in this and said that this actually violated the separation of powers, not even getting into the due process part of all this. So the judge originally struck it down, but Letitia James, right, the attorney general, actually appealed the ruling of that judge, and that ruling was reversed. So right now, and they will end up going to the top court in New York, if the top court will hear them, the court of appeals, but right now, as it stands... If the Court of Appeals decides not to hear this, then this actually would 
don't want to say go into law, but this actually would be the rule of the land because the governor came into this. And, and you're absolutely right. This would be involuntarily detaining New Yorkers. It does not talk about what the thresholds would be. It doesn't talk about the due press process rights of those New Yorkers. Um, it doesn't talk about for how long or where we, where they would go. It's written broad enough that basically the governor and the director of health in Albany could say, we want to involuntarily quarantine you for uh, any health reason, really. That's really what it is for any health reason for any amount of time in terms of interpreting. Go, go ahead, Max. Yeah. Um, I, what, what would you think of uh, mentioning this uh, within the first minute of your show and then the last minute of your show, just to remind everyone that we should keep it in our minds on a daily basis until this is resolved? Yeah, look, this is uh, we're at a point where the Court of Appeals needs to hear it. So I understand what you're talking about. And it's it's one of these things that it's it's top of mind for me. I, I did a podcast. You, you guys can go to WABCradio.com or go to my social media. I actually just posted it at Andrew H. Giuliani uh, with Assemblyman Chris Tag, who was one of the members of the assembly who actually filed this. And I think I mentioned this yesterday, but just to reiterate how absurd this was. They actually, the reason why the uh, the appeals court, I know it's the court, it's kind of weird in New York, because the New York State Court of Appeals and then the Court of Appeals actually is the highest branch. But the second branch that overturned the original ruling, basically reenacting this law, the reason that they gave was that these members of the assembly did not have standing, which is crazy because, A, they're New York citizens in their own right that could be affected by these rules. And B, they are the lawmakers that were elected by other members, other New York citizens to represent them in the lawmaking process. So that's how crazy this is. And I'll keep mentioning it, Max. I don't know if look, we can mention it at the top and bottom of every single show, but this is something that I'm certainly keeping my eye on going into 2024. And I'll be screaming on the hilltops here at the great American public square on the radio like we have the opportunity to. So, look, when we get back, um, I want to get to the mayor's final thoughts. And all week I've obviously been filling in for Dad. Many of you guys know why, because he's in Washington, D.C., with this court hearing. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of kind of my perspective of this past week uh, and uh, how proud I am of my father. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, thank you for joining me today, Andrew Giuliani, in for America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani on the Tunnel the Towers Mayor Final Thoughts. Remember, go to T2T.org and donate $11 a month. That's T, the number 2, T.org and Tunnel the Towers. Well, look, I want to be clear about kind of what I'm going to say here with my father. As a son, as somebody who, you know, Father and son relationships are very special. They can be complicated. Norris have been complicated at times. But as somebody who has seen everything that my father has gone through in public life and the decisions that he made after the 2020 election, starting really on election day when he was with President Trump and starting to show him the evidence that he saw, that he believed that the American people deserved to see, that he believed that the President of the United States deserved to have a representative 
somebody who was willing to go out there and show the evidence, show the facts to the American people and prove the point that their client was trying to make, that there was fraud. And as a son, I have to tell you, I'm extremely proud of my father's courage. I'm extremely proud of the fact that he knew. And I had a couple of conversations with him in late November and in December of 2020 explaining what I thought was going to happen. And it wasn't exactly what's ended up happening. I'll keep kind of those conversations between us for now. But I could at that point start to see the establishment rising up against President Trump. And I could see that Rudy Giuliani was going to be the scapegoat for all of this, that they were going to go and try to crush him in any way possible. And I told him, and I let him know, and I said, look, as somebody who loves you, I want to let you know what I see with this. I want to let you know that I see that your reputation as America's mayor, as somebody who's been revered on the left and the right, accepted at cocktail parties, all that, that's going to be thrown out. If it hadn't been already, right, because he was so strong in supporting the president through the Russia investigation, in proving how absurd the Mueller allegations actually were. He was leading all that. But he told me something, and I should have written down the date, but it was at some point at the end of November, early December. And he said that he was doing this not for himself, not for President Trump individually, but he was doing this for my unborn child and their kids and the future of this country. And that if he didn't go through with it, if he didn't continue to be as aggressive as he was in showing the facts to the American people, even when you had the establishment many times on both sides of the aisle, right? Look at Georgia, for example, that did not want to see those facts. They were trying to silence and censor him during those facts. Then he would never be able to live with himself in this life or in hopefully the next. And that's why I'm extremely proud of my father and of my dad without talking about everything that he's going through right now in Washington, D.C., with these Georgia election workers, even though we've seen <laughs> we've seen videos of them scanning ballots multiple times, ballots which they took out from underneath the desk after Republican poll watchers were not allowed to be in the State Farm Arena in Georgia. Right? Think about that. Think about what I just said. And the fact that he was trying to present that evidence and you have the establishment that's trying to tear him down because they're trying to hide something. And so as a son, I couldn't be any more proud. And I'm thankful that as an American, we have warriors and we have fighters like Rudy Giuliani who have the guts to stand up. Let's play the cut from Barbara from the Greg Kelly show because she might even be able to say it better than I could. I'm listening to you uh, talk about uh, what Mayor Giuliani is going through um, from these women. And it reminds me of plunder. The word plunder means stealing by force. It could be force of law, uh, but stealing, um, especially in a time of war or civil disorder. And we see these women really doing that. The law is going to be twisted to allow them to commit this plunder. 
Whatever happens in the short term, my friends, history will prove Rudy Giuliani right. It's been an honor being with you this week. America's mayor will be back next week. God bless you. God bless America.